Today on BSD Talk, we learn a little bit about documentation. A lot of people have tried to invent something better than the MDoc language for formatting documentation, but many of these projects have failed and people start to acknowledge that. Don't tell anyone I'm free. Don't tell anyone I'm free. Welcome to BSD Talk number 243. It's Sunday, July 27, 2014. The interview that follows is from BSD Can 2014, so it is a few months old. Please do check the website of the project for any updates or recent developments. Okay, here it is. We're here today with Ingo Schwarze with the OpenBSD project, and more specifically, uh, to talk about documentation and software for producing documentation. You gave a talk here at BSD Can, so I don't necessarily want to repeat the contents of that, but if we could get perhaps a little background on the work you've been doing and some of the, I guess maybe the history that led up to this particular project. The project actually started about five years ago, or even six years ago, when Christoph Johnson's wanted to put up some manuals on the web and wasn't content with the quality of the HTML output from Graph, and that's not a coincidence because um, Graph first converts all the markup into low-level formatting instructions and then tries to get it back up to a state where you have useful markup for the web. And so he started his his own formatter for the MDoc and MAR languages. Uh, And then quickly we got it into the OpenBSD tree as an, as an alternative manual formatter, cleaned it up, brought it up to the point where it could build all the manuals in the tree, and relatively quickly, with, um, until 2010, switched over the whole tree. And now we are at a stage where most of the BSDs either already have adopted it to replace Graph for formatting documentation, or like, so, OpenBSD and NetBSD have, and FreeBSD and Dragonfly are considering to switch over and have done a lot of preparation. So also now we are in a stage where we are adding functionality like search functionality and converters from one format to the others and so on. So it's still a quite vibrant project. Man pages go back to the beginning of the Unix world. Could you give a brief summary of how man pages were created or what languages they were created in, or at least what that workflow was prior to MDoc? Yes. Actually, the, during my talk, I said that we are celebrating a 50th birthday. The, the basic rough syntax for writing manual pages was first implemented by Jerry Salzer in 1964 when he wrote his runoff utility that was later renamed to Roth. He was already building a bit on the CTSS documentation that existed in the late 50s, early 60s. And then when the Unix project was started, started by Ritchie and Thompson at the Bell Labs in the early 70s, 
they one of the first programs they wrote in PDP seven assembler was Roth, and they used that right away to to format their manuals for the version one AT and T Unix. And then during the development of Research Unix, um, that evolved in version four. The first high level macros appeared before. Uh, they were still different from what we have today, but similar concepts. And in version 7 Unix, in at the end of the 70s, we had the man language we have today. And then again, 10 years later, about 1990, at Berkeley, the CS, as the, the Computer Systems Research Group, um, invented the MDoc language, which supported semantic markup for the first time. And that's basically what we are still using now. So that's a bit about the history. And for somebody who looks at a man page, at least on the terminal, it's just plain text. So why go through the gymnastics of learning a markup language in order to make a title all capital when you could just open VI and make a title all capital? Like what, what's the benefit of having this intermediate language that you write it in in order to then produce a different output? Um, there are actually two benefits. The smaller one is that it's actually easier to mark up if you don't need to remember which markup corresponds to which function. It is easier to say, well, this is an author name, this is a title, this is a function name, than to say, make this bold, make this. But much more important is if you mark it up semantically, then you can use it for multiple output formats. And and mark it up in different ways depending on the needs and even more importantly you can use it for searching so for example I've shown today in my talk uh, that you can ask the system show me all the manual pages of utilities that use the user environment, environment variable you just say apropos environment variable equals user and if you would use physical markup, there would be no way to do such a thing. Or you could do some lazy grepping and maybe get too much, uh, so it's not as precise as if you were to right. mark it up. Right, yeah. if you have preformatted manuals in the ma middle, then grepping will even fail. So, and, and you do have some preformatted manuals where you're installing some of your software from ports, some of that will have manuals that don't yet work with Mandoc, so they will be preformatted, and you won't find them with with uh, grep. With apropos, the new one, you find them. Now, other operating systems have moved on to other forms of documentation in order to include what they might consider to be modern features, hyperlinking between documents and everything else. Do you have... Or do you find that there's a lot of pressure in the community to change man pages to adopt maybe newer kinds of functionality? It's more like the other way around. I recently talked to ESR, uh, Eric Raymond, who in his turn talked to Richard Stallman, and those two agreed that it would probably be a good idea to deprecate GNU info and to replace it by something else. So my take on this is that a lot of people have tried to invent something better than the MDoc language for formatting documentation, but many of these projects 
tests have failed and people start to acknowledge that. Now the plan that RMS and ESR are proposing is not much better in my opinion. They want to go for ASCII-DOC and DOCBOOK. That's a very, very heavy tool chain that takes a long, long time to form it. And I doubt that is that much easier to use. So I, I think there is opportunity to even um, get more projects to use the relatively simple and very powerful MDoc language, in particular since we are now starting to think about transition, transitioning mechanisms to take existing manuals and convert them to MDoc. Since now we have the possibility, if you use MDoc for your manuals in your portable project, then you can use the built-in, the MANDOC built-in MDoc to MAN converter to provide in your distribution tables MAN versions, auto-generated MAN versions for those old-fashioned operating systems like Solaris that still after 20 years don't have an MDoc implementation. So you can now very easily use MDoc for portable software and I hope that more people will profit from that in the future. Yeah, my my experience with some of the other formatting languages for manuals involved having to download 800 megabytes worth of supporting software in order to produce output. And I will say that there's something wonderfully light and small about Mandoc. So if there's, you know, not a lot of maybe new features um, coming into traditional man pages, where, you know, I guess when I've seen some of the... Um, traffic on the list it does seem though that there's still a lot of work going on and it's you know i'm not an an experienced person in this in this area but that i guess that a lot of different systems have slight quirks about their input and output and so it seems to me like you're having to write a lot of functionality to deal with behaviors that are expected in one kind of document and uh well the point is rather that as the the traditional MAN language is a macro, originally a macro language built on top of graph that um, the law of feature creep applies. So if in a, in a software there is some feature, then sooner or later somebody will use it. And a corollary to, to MAN pages is that no matter how unrelated a graph feature is to manual pages, somebody will use it. And so we, ha- we are trying in, in Mandoc to deal with as much pages as possible so that people do not unnecessarily have to resort to, to graph for formatting. So that's the one area. Deal with, with all the low-level graph that might be used in manuals, even though there is not really a pressing need, but we want to deal with real-world manuals. For example, what has been done recently is an implementation of the full numeric processing of RAF. So now even Mandoc can handle numerical variables and calculating with them. It can handle conditional instructions and all all sorts of low-level RAF stuff, and that is probably going to be work that is continued in the background. On the other hand, a lot of the traffic you are seeing on the on the mailing list and in commits is really new features. The enhanced search functionality has been 
um, developed over the last three years and there has been a flurry of activity to really get it finished and optimized during the last few months. And I guess there will be there will be new features in the future. For example, I'm planning to integrate the pre-conf utility that is used to, uh, to pre-process UTF-8 input so that Mandoc can handle it into Mandoc itself so that Mandoc can transparently handle, uh, say, Japanese or Russian manuals. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't think we are yet quite feature complete. There is still, while the languages are very good and there is little one can wish with respect to the languages, the tools handling them still can use quite some work. As an end user, I'm just amazed at how much work it is because my primary dealings with man pages is just to type man and the name right. of the utility and some text shows up on the screen and it, it seems to me that this should be a very trivial task to do but obviously there's so much going on in the background it, it's hard to imagine how much work it is but that is as it should be the documentation system is good when almost all users can just use it and don't even realize that non-trivial work is being done you, you don't want the users to worry about that stuff you want them to get answers to their questions and by the way, I don't think it is. This is not a special thing in in Mandoc. I've recently also done a bit of work in the C library, fixing very low-level functions, doing some optimizations, for example, in directory iterating functions in the C library. All those are things you use every day when you are programming, and you are not aware that they are constantly maintained and constantly improved. You normally don't see that there is a need to do so unless you run into issues and then suddenly you do see it. I mean, regarding Mandoc, to come back to the topic, I regularly, every month, often several times a month, I do receive bug reports. People saying, hey, I'm trying to port this software and somehow the manual pages look strange or Mandoc crashes or this or that. And then that has to be fixed, normal software maintenance. Well, for those, I guess, who want to learn more about Mandoc, where would they go on the Internet to learn about it? The easiest way is to start on the OpenBSD homepage, OpenBSD.org, and from there, right at the bottom, at the right side, you have a link to the MDoc portable homepage, because just like OpenSSH, Mandoc is an OpenBSD sub-project, and there you have a lot of resources. You have the manual pages online, you have the development history online, you have a list of publications and conference talks that have been given, and much more. So just go to the OpenBSD homepage, OpenBSD.org, then click the Mandoc link and see what you find. Have fun. All right. And it's great to see a you know, cross-pollination between the projects. You know, something being adopted across the BSDs, in my mind, is always a win for everybody. That is right, yeah. Uh, actually, I had uh, quite some contributions from developers from other projects. Um, Franco Fichtner from Dragonfly has recently contributed some quite nice code patches improving synopsis formatting. And um, there were several people from, from NetBSD who have contributed, Jörg Sonnenberger and Tsugutomi Nami, and even... Uh, 
By, by naming a few, you risk having to name them all. Yes, <laughs> yes I risk too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for all the work that you've been doing. And obviously, for those listening, you know, anyone else has been contributing. Uh, it's, you know, one of those seemingly simple things in Unix that is under the hood, much more complicated than you might realize. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. You can also find episodes on archive.org. Also, once again, I'd like to thank the OpenBSD project for the music that I use at the beginning of this podcast. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 243.